0: We are in the presence of an awesome and wonderful God who can meet our needs, who knows our hearts, who understands us, where we are, and uh, is eager and seeks to minister to our need. And you can find help today. You can find help with the decisions, with the trouble that you're going through, with the feelings. Of despair, you can find help today. You can find wisdom and courage and strength through the presence and power of God. His Spirit is among us. Now, I have given you three disciplines of prayer over these days of turn up the gratitude. And I've noticed on Facebook that many of you are just giving thanks. And uh, that's very gratifying to see, all the thanksgiving that is circulating as people talk to their friends on Facebook and many other ways, uh, letting the world know how grateful we are. I hope you are practicing the continuous prayer, pray without ceasing, The conversation with God, giving thanks for the little things that come your way every day, that's the first discipline. The discipline of practicing God's presence on a continuous basis in your life. It will change attitudes. It will change the way you experience work and family and the mundane tasks of life if you will converse with God. I was so powerfully reminded of this by Aunt Monty, our 92-year-old aunt who went to be with the Lord almost a year ago. When she told me at her advanced age, she said, Jesus is my best friend, and I talk to him all day long. Well, it is a practice that we ought to be cultivating, a discipline, that if we will integrate it into our life, it will change how we see the world, how we see people, and how we experience life. I've asked you also to give thanks specifically when the food is in front of you. Maybe it's a whispered prayer of the heart. Maybe it's a moment when you take your beloved's hand and together you say, Thank you, God. Maybe it's when the family gathers and you bow your heads together and the three-year-old offers a prayer. But the discipline of giving thanks when the food is before you connects this food to the gift and grace of God. And it is a discipline that when you practice it opens your heart up not only to thanking God for the food which we ought to be so grateful for but for all the good gifts of life. They just tumble in when you start giving thanks, don't they? When you start counting your blessings, it's, it's hard to stop. Now, last week I encouraged you in your practice of prayer to remember a world that needs Jesus and to be disciplined about it. And I mentioned that the Comos pray for children in the world who do not have enough to eat when they offer thanks. It reminds our children and everybody at the table That there's a big world out there with 7 billion people and Jesus loves them all. And he cares for them. And as the world is shrinking, we need to keep the world on our heart. We can do that by praying for the Onion Boys in Africa. We now are planning our 10th trip. And someone told me this week, I'm planning to go to Accra. I want you to. I want you to go meet. These young men in the streets of Accra who have fled the famine in Niger and Burkina Faso and ended up there on those streets living in communal spaces and hungry for just friendship. We go and talk to them and we do their what we do here. We teach them English. And you can remember the world by remembering the Onion Boys and praying for the missionaries that you know, and integrating that into your prayer life as a discipline. Now here's a fourth discipline that I think will enrich your life, change your perspective, and help you when you put your feet on the ground in the morning to walk in the right direction. An old man told me a long time ago, he said, before I ever get out of bed, When I wake up, every day, I say, thank you, Lord. And this is what I want you to do with your prayer that starts off the day when the sun shines through the curtains and you are ready to get out of bed. Lord, help me to give you glory today. To pray for God's glory in your life. Now, there are two ways that the psalm we're about to read does that. It does both the positive and the negative of that prayer. And we're going to be in Psalm 69 today as we visit The Lord Hears Our Gratitude. All right, so we're talking about turn up the gratitude and The Lord Hears the sound. The first way is to ask God in a positive way that you might honor Him today. and So it would be a great practice before you even get out of bed to just say, Lord, let me honor you today. Let me give you glory. The second way is mentioned here in the psalm also. And it is, God, don't let me, don't let me cause anybody to stumble today. And he says it twice in the psalm don't let anyone stumble because of me so it's an effort to live a life that is perpetually encouraging drawing people to Christ and not causing them to stumble in their walk Psalm 69 is the most quoted text in the Old Testament by the New Testament authors apart from Psalm 22 Psalm 22, when you read it, you think you're reading the report on the crucifixion of Jesus. You read through there and you know this is all about the Lord. How did this happen a thousand years before Jesus came? But that psalm is just all about Jesus. Well, when we read through 69, we experience the same kind of thing. The vinegar and the gall that are part of the crucifixion story. He gave, he gave me vinegar to drink. It's in this psalm. The insults of those who insulted you have fallen on me. That's in this psalm. That's quoted by the Apostle Paul. Names blotted out of the book of life. That's first mentioned right here in Psalm 69. I wish I could read it all for you. What drew me to the psalm were the last six or seven verses. And that's what I want to read for you. Verse 30. Now... You've got to read the whole psalm to give the context. And I'm going to talk to you a little bit about the context, okay? But you may want to go back today and just read the whole psalm. Verse 30 says, I will praise God's name in song and glorify Him with thanksgiving. This will please the Lord more than an ox, more than a bull with its horns and hooves, The poor will see and be glad. You who seek God, may your hearts live. The Lord hears the needy and does not despise his captive people. Let heaven and earth praise him, the seas and all that move in them. For God will save Zion and rebuild the cities of Judah. Then people will settle there and possess it. The children of his servants will inherit it. And those who love his name will dwell there. Psalm 30. To the tune of lilies by David. The old Bible says, upon the lilies. All right, we're talking about poetry, aren't we? This is a poem. It's a long poem and a beautiful poem. It uses metaphors that we all connect to. And the lilies remind me of last night's groom's uh, bride's cake. The bride's cake had orchid blossoms, real orchid blossoms on it. It was, it was gorgeous. The most intriguing cake, though, was the, was the groom's cake. I looked at it for a long time and thought it was a stack of books. And I read the titles and things and wondered how it might pertain to the couple, you know, trying to connect it, and walked away. And someone said to me, Did you see the groom's cake? And I said... Um, what was it? It was that stack of books. This is a cake from a wedding. I told the bride, I said, you're not going to cut that, right? She said, no, we're not going to cut this. It took a month for the pastry chef to make this cake for Shar Thion's wedding. It was a labor of love. And every book pertains to the couple's life. And on top you see the Holy Bible. It was a blessing to do a wedding for people who were so connected to God's Word. And I want to connect you to God's Word this morning wherever you are, whatever your pilgrimage, whatever your journey, your life circumstance, to connect you to the living, powerful, healing Word of God. And just point out to you that the thanksgiving prelude, what comes before verses 30 through 36 in this most important psalm is a description of suffering. Waters up to my neck. Save me, O God, the waters are up to my neck. That's how Psalm 69 begins. This is the context of the praise which David brings to the Lord. And it is not unusual in Israel's psalm book to find this kind of description of a relationship with God starting out with the suffering that he has endured. Have you ever had the water up to your neck and worried about drowning? I can't remember when I was threatened by drowning. I can remember as a seven-year-old boy walking out on the thin ice of the Buffalo River. I assume it was my friend who encouraged us to do this. And he broke through and fell into the river thrashing around in his big thick parka. I remember reaching down and grabbing his hood and I pulled him out of the Buffalo River before he was swept under the ice. I was seven years old. I remember it vividly to this day. To have the water up to here, it is a terrifying experience. You don't know if you're going to make it or not. And that's what David is feeling as he writes this psalm. As a prelude to his thanksgiving and his praise. He says, the water is up to my neck. I feel like I am drowning. I've had this experience of trouble and sorrow and pain. And he chronicles it here in the psalm. He is sinking into the miry depths. And part of what has happened to him is people have turned on him. Those who hate me without reason, he mentions in verse 4. People who should have loved him and cared for him have turned on him. Part of what his sorrow is, his trouble and the despair he's feeling, is that relationships have been sinking and are broken and bruised. And he doesn't fully understand why all these folks have turned on him. People have perplexed him. And that's a difficult place to be, isn't it? To be in a place where the people around you are contributing to your suffering and pain. It's hard to endure. David writes later on about the pain that he is feeling and he he says, I endure scorn for your sake and shame covers my face. That's verse 7. And it sounds like he was despised and rejected. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. It sounds like the Savior as he talks about what's happening to him. He feels like his assignment from God, David's assignment from God, Jesus' assignment from God, includes suffering. And it's difficult and deep and hard to endure. It's not simple stuff. It's not easy stuff. It's really difficult, fearsome trouble that has come upon the psalmist. He says later on in the verses before he gets to the praise and the thanksgiving, he says, answer me, God. And then he says, answer me quickly. I need an answer right now. Have you ever been there? The waters are up to my neck. I need an answer. I need it now quickly, Lord, please. Please. I don't know what timetable you're on, God, but I need to hear from you. And right before the verses that I've read, in verse 29, I am in pain and distress. This is his thanksgiving prelude. The word he speaks before he gets to praise. Every day something happens. You call a pizza man. You order a pizza. He comes out to your house to deliver pizza to your kids while you're singing at a wedding. He runs into your mailbox. He turns it into a pile of bricks. This is Robert Como's mailbox. <laughs> this was yesterday. I don't know the poor pizza man. I think he may have been texting. Look, I don't want to in any way diminish the problem he's got. Okay, he can't get mail now. The postal service can't even bring him a letter. And I don't want to diminish the trouble you have. Your troubles are real. They are serious. I understand that. So are... Mine, God doesn't intend to diminish or belittle our pain and our trouble when he calls us to praise in the midst of it he's not doing that what he's seeking to do is restore us and that's the next verse I want to point you to and it's verse 33 or 32 where he says you who seek the Lord may your hearts live I just love that may your hearts live I want to say it to you. May your hearts live. Brothers and sisters, may your hearts live. The word live is just an ordinary word. 154 times in the Old Testament, it's just translated as live. And then there are about 15 or 20 times where the translators look at it and think, you know what, this is an application where it needs to be refresh, restore, or revive, which is how the Old Bible translates it. May your hearts be revived. May they be refreshed. May they be restored. And there are numerous times in the Old Testament when it uses this word to describe how you get over the discouragement, the trouble, the grief that's come into your life. The psalmist who has for 29 verses described the trouble he has had, the sorrow he endures the discouragement he feels, the crisis he is in, now turns to thanksgiving. His life pivots on a dime. Just like this psalm pivots on a dime. All of a sudden, it's in another place. He's lamenting the trouble he's in. He's crying out to God, save me And all of a sudden, he's saying, Lord, I praise you. That's how life is. Life changes that quickly. And oftentimes, it is a mental and heart change. It's not the circumstances that have suddenly changed. But it's a new thought, a new perspective, a new insight into the nature of God, how he relates to you and what he's up to in your life. May your hearts be refreshed. May your hearts be restored. May your hearts live. I mean, really live. Jesus said to the expert in the law when he recited, Love God and love your neighbor, Do this, and you will live. You will live. Life will be full and running over. It'll be wonderful to get up in the morning. Every day will be full of possibilities and expectation. You will really live. I tell you, I've been reflecting on the -the down-in-the-mouth, slumped, shouldered, negative expectation that I find so often among the people of God and wondering how do we get captured by this darkness of soul and i think at least part of the solution for the troubled heart is the pacemaker of thanksgiving your heart flutters it gets out of beat It gets out of rhythm. And so you go to the cardiologist and he installs a pacemaker. And when your heart gets out of rhythm, that pacemaker knows it and it starts sending electrical impulses to get your heart back in line. My father had one of those pacemakers. Thanksgiving, if you'll let it, Can be the pacemaker for your heart. So that your heart brings life. So that it stays healthy. And it's not an illusion, it's not imaginary that the world is full of good things for which to give thanks. It's the truth. And when we turn to despair, we are often denying the truth that God has been good and His kindness and love toward us endures forever, that today, this is the day the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it that this breath which I take is His gift. To live in thanksgiving, is to understand the world correctly and to walk in it appropriately. To send your thank you to God every day is to send a letter that passes from the human heart Through the atmosphere into the darkness of outer space and all the way to the center of the universe where God sits on his throne. It is to penetrate the darkness and go straight to the heart of God when you say thank you. And this thank you is not a one sided communication. The Lord hears! And he returns back his reply. God hears your prayers. Have you thought about that? God hears your prayers. He knows your need and he hears your prayers. The Scripture says here, May your hearts live. And then the next verse, verse 33, the Lord hears the needy. This is the thanksgiving promise. The Lord hears the needy. Now, I don't want you to miss this, okay? When David starts giving his praise, he has been truthfully reflecting the troubles that have beset his life, the sorrows that have come into his life. He does not deny them. He chronicles them through 29 verses. Then he gets to the point of praise in verse 30. And he turns suddenly in his spirit to give thanks to God. And when he does so, he starts talking about the poor and the needy. Don't miss this. There's something about thanksgiving that turns your heart from your own condition to the one beyond you that you are supposed to love. Something about thanksgiving liberates you from the blinded vision where the pain has captured you to the other folks who may have more trouble than you to the poor he turns his heart toward the poor he says the poor will see and be glad he says you hear the needy. The Lord hears the needy and does not despise His captive people. One of the keys to living as Jesus lived is giving thanks, knowing that God hears, and liberating myself from a self-centeredness that is often just collapses life upon itself. Now, who are these needy people he's talking about? <laughs> Here I am, Lord. I'm needy. Yeah, you're needy. That's the human condition. Hans Walter Wolf in his Anthropology of the Old Testament. I'll never forget this. Now, I can forget Hans Walter Wolf, okay? <laughs> But well, I was reading through, and he took the Hebrew word for flesh, and he said, "You know what the word flesh is? It's man in his need." I've remembered it all these years. Man in his need. We're all flesh. The flesh wars against the spirit. We are in need. We need food, we need water, we need breath. We have all these basic needs. We need love, we need others to love. We need companionship and relationships. We are needy. And the Lord does not despise the needy. Sometimes I hear people say, Well, I feel so foolish bringing my need to God. It's so petty. And I'm thinking, why should I talk to God about that? Oh, no. You misunderstand the heart of God. God knows your need. And little or big, He cares about it. I think it is very appropriate and right on target with the heart of God to bring the simple need, what seems so small, to God. And say, Lord, here I am, one of your needy ones. knowing. When you come to him in your need, he always hears. He hears you. Your thanksgiving is always wrapped up with your need. You get into a prayer of thanksgiving and you want to keep all the categories clean. Now I'm just praying about thanks. I'm only doing thanks and praise now. And I mean it's not 10 seconds before all of a sudden you're mentioning a need to God. Or you get into praying for your needs. We're doing supplication and petition now. And it's just a moment before you're starting to praise Him and thank Him. Your thanks is all tangled up in your need. We're going to have to come to God giving our thanks as needy people. And He responds to the needy who come to Him. We need not only physically, but we need spiritually. We we are captive physically sometimes as well as spiritually. God hears the needy. He knows his captive people. Brothers and sisters, there's a lot of despair out there. I sat down beside a military man, now retired, 32 years he was in the military. He's serving on a task force right now in Washington. The seeking to address the suicides of active American military. Do you know in our military that we have a suicide every day? Every day, a soldier completes suicide and kills himself. Among the veterans, it is the same rate of suicide death. Do you know that suicide is higher right now than it's been in 10 years in these United States? That it is the 10th most common cause of death in the United States, suicide. And you may be thinking, oh, I know, those teenagers... Or I know the elderly. Oh, no. The most common person to kill himself is between the ages of 40 and 59. At the height of their careers, with families, children, and grandchildren, I do not minimize... The despair that sometimes creeps into our heart. And we feel like there's no answer coming, and we cry out to God, and it doesn't feel like He hears us. And the sorrow lasts not for a minute or for a day, but we go through sometimes days and even weeks where we're crying out to God and wondering if He'll answer and saying, God, answer me quickly, Lord. And it's difficult in the midst of that kind of despair to hear the song of praise and deliver it to God but you who are most captive neediest in the greatest trouble and the deepest darkness You are the ones that I trust will turn to God in thanksgiving and praise today because He is your Deliverer. And He intends to deliver you. He is your Restorer. All that the enemy came to steal and destroy Jesus came to restore and deliver. And you need to hear this message of hope. The military man said to me, it's hopelessness. People are struggling with hopelessness. They don't know where there's an answer. Jesus Christ is the answer for the world today. Above Him, there's no other. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the answer in your life. That's why God sent him. Jesus died on the cross just for you, paid the penalty for your sin so that you could leave behind shame and guilt and despair and find in the cross of Christ new life, new hope, and a new way to live. And you honor God by receiving all that Christ bought for you in his death on the cross you feel compelled somehow to drag around that sack of guilt and shame you feel it's your penance that you must hang on to it and by keeping connected to the guilt and shame and hanging your head about life and its trouble You're refusing to receive all that Christ bought for you when He died on that cross. He died on that cross to deal with the guilt and shame of our sin and failure and the pain we experience from other people. Jesus paid it all so that we might be delivered, hold our head up in this world and say, Thank you, Lord. Live boldly, faithfully, And joyfully every day, receiving every day as his wonderful new gift, and knowing that when we turn to him and give our praise as well as our petition, from heaven he hears us and gives us the answer we need. Bow with me, please. The deliverer has come, and he's here this morning. Would you open your heart? Would you pray, Lord, I need an answer. I need it quickly. Would you join with David in his prayer? Would you say, God, I need you now. Would you in faith trust that God knows your need, hears your prayer, and is in the process in your life of bringing about the answer? Would you say, Lord, I hope in you. My hope is in you. I'm trusting in you. Would you narrow all your expectations to the heart of God and say, God, from you, I receive this day to you. I bring my need and I am depending on you for the answer. If you've never trusted Christ, what a wonderful moment to say, at this Thanksgiving time, I want to, Say thank you by receiving Jesus as Savior. I know I'm a sinner. Please forgive me for my sin. I want you in my life. As an act of gratitude, giving your life to Christ. If you've never been baptized, what a wonderful season to say, I want to follow Christ. Whatever you need, if you want to pray with somebody, our prayer counselors are ready. Lord, do your work in us, we pray. Have your way in us. God, lift us, refresh us. May our hearts live in your presence this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.